What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. This is still recording. I'm Tony, and that's Quentin over there. What's going on, man? How you been? I'm still waiting for the time that we're not doing an intro. But <laughs> we still need to. We still need to start the show. Like, it, like I understand your, 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 your thought that it could just casually go into it, but a listener will still want a starting and an end point. Nah, they get I don't what know they, any other. They get what we give them. They get what what. <laughs> well, right. But as much as this is our show, we want this to be um, uh, entertaining and exciting and um, appealing to them. And if they feel like they've come into the middle of a conversation without any kind of context, then they might feel like the recording itself was not recorded properly. <laughs> so, hey, you guys let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter if you like. Should we have an actual intro just like that, just like I did, or just jump right into it? So, like I said before, Quentin, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm gearing up for this week because I'm going to go see Avenged Sevenfold this week on Friday. Now I saw them two years ago, and I've I've only seen them live once. How many times have you seen them live? Um, three, if I remember correctly. Okay, all right. Uh, I thought they were amazing. I mean, they played every single song I wanted them to play. They played that one song from Rainbow Six Siege, I think it is. Uh, they've got a lot of songs for Call of Duty. Is it Call of Duty? I I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah. It's one of those awesome games that I don't play, um, but they but they played that and they had like this whole military kind of backdrop while playing it. And it was it was tremendous and it was funny because my cousin who I went with, almost every song he pointed out that it was so similar to Metallica. And I know this is an ongoing argument that Event Sevenfold has a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't say copycat necessarily, but a lot of influence of Metallica that it just bleeds right through. Like when they're playing, um, what's that song called? This is War. Um, it it sound it sounded like uh, Master of Puppets. <laughs> it it was it was funny. I was like, you know what? If you did a if you did a mashup of those two songs, I would not be upset about that. I would be a total fan of that, but. Uh yeah no it's a great great group a great live album a great live uh, live experience that's for sure do you know who else uh, what other band is going to be there uh I know a day to remember is going to be there and some like hip hop rap band that I've never heard of and I pulled them up on Apple Music and listened to their mo- three most popular songs and I promise you I never ever want to hear them ever again they were awful i'm sorry Wait, if you, anyone you, you can't listening... leave us in the dark what's the name uh hang on let me google it real quick we, we gotta know because like there's gonna be somebody out there that is going to go to this show and they're going to be super excited and they hear that there's going to be three bands, three bands for the price of one. That's amazing. They're going to get to the front row. This hip hop band group is going to start and they're going to say, man, Quentin should have warned me, but I wish I knew the name <laughs> of the band. So this is all riding on your shoulders, man. What is the name of the band? It is H O nine nine O nine. H O nine nine O nine. H O nine nine O nine. That is the band oh. name. Do you know how you would pronounce that? Co ninety nine O nine. I would guess. Once again, I'm sorry if anyone likes the music, but oh my gosh, I listened to their top three songs and my my ears bled. My ears okay, straight well, up bled. Is... <laughs> this is this is this is from from two years ago. I'm just gonna skip ahead, and
Okay, well, you're there gonna you go. have to bleep that. <laughs> it's uh, it's a different kind of uh, R and B, a different kind of rap that I'm I'm normally used to. Um, by the looks of it, it is uh, very similar to shock rap of the likes of Insane Clown Posse, ICP. Which, to be perfectly honest with you, I was a huge fan of ICP back in the day. Uh, but then I saw the light and realized how silly I was uh, pretending to be a juggalo, which was a was a thing. Um, I'm proud you yeah, have they, that ability to grow up. I Yeah, I'm like Peter Pan. I, did, I never wanted to grow up, but then, you know, something happened. Like, oh, this is this is BS. But um, But this kind of music is, it's not... It's not new. I mean, the the, the whole kind of uh, horror genre music uh, even dates back all the way to to like classical times, where there were certain uh, art, uh, certain uh, composers, even like Faust, for example, that their music was, you know, almost one would say inspired and comes from the voice of the devil, and um, and this definitely is very much of shock rap it's and it's fine but that's the thing like there's gonna be somebody out there and i will say this as much as you don't like the music or i didn't really enjoy that little snippet that i heard live shows turn they will turn you into a fan and it's it's a weird feeling because you will go in there saying i hate this band i hate it when they played on the radio, I hate it when my friends talk about them. But it's just a weird feeling that sometimes, and not all the time, but sometimes you'll you'll see the band get up on stage, and the lights and the smoke and the crowd will just make you go, "Huh, okay, they're they're not great, but I'm stomping my feet, so that's something." Well, I just I look what I look at is I look at the other two bands, Avenged Sevenfold and A Day to Remember. I know their music, and I look at this other band, 99. We're just going to call them 99 for now. 99, okay. Ho 99. <laughs> Ho 99. I don't, I don't hear it. I don't hear any sort of relation at all. They, there's no, like, you can argue that there's some rappy parts to maybe a day to remember, but holy balls, no. Well, I could take the extra step and actually look on Wikipedia, if you will, and see where they're from. They're from New Jersey. Uh, and, oh, sorry, they're pronounced horror. That's how you pronounce their name, not Ho99. It's pronounced horror, or also known as horror death cult. Yeah, that's oh. a thing. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, there's two guys, uh, the OGM and Eddie. Um, <laughs> sounds, sounds great. And um, they have a very strong cult following, and that's that's the word right there, cult, and not occult. I don't mean like Satan and and pentagrams and stuff. Just cult. Cult following means a very niche following, and there's going to be niche fans out there that likes this. Now you're you're asking why are they on a tour with heavy metal groups and kind of pseudo emo groups with data remember um i would say it is twofold one money because they're this is the only tour that their manager could sign them to at this point in time for one reason or the other um and two it it's a uh, another way to expose uh, possibly, it you know, it's uh, altruistic to exp- uh, rather non-altruistic to expose other people that aren't necessarily into hip hop, and this might be a bridge to maybe get them into hip hop. Because if you think about it, if you think about it, this, they're about horror, they're about shock and awe, right? Isn't Avenged Sevenfold kind of about that, especially when it comes to their their stage shows? I mean, they're all about lights and 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 fire and like you know, blowing, blowing crap up. Um, and to warm you up to that, you got these guys and I don't know what they're going to do on stage, but whatever message that they're trying to come across with, it might resonate with the other youngins out there. And I mean, I'm including you as a youngin. (laughs) Well, I certainly hope not. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being a youngin. 
You know, I just I just found out the other day, Quentin, that because I'm born in 1983, I'm considered a millennial. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with being a youngin. There's nothing wrong with being a millennial. It's how you use it. <laughs> it's how you live your life. And so, uh, however that is, I just hope you and your wife enjoy the show. I do hope to get to another uh, live show in the next year. Apparently, um, we we have like three uh, venues around here that are like stadium, outdoor arena style venues that I would love to take my wife and my my kid to, even my daughter, because she she likes some of the music that I listen to, which is awesome. Um, but uh, I think we're gonna have to put that off until next year. I'm going to throw a little correction out there. My wife actually isn't going. She is not a fan. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> Enjoy your time away from Quentin, Quentin's wife, and um, do whatever you like to do. He will be home safely. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, the funny part is, is she wanted to do something nice for me and saw that the Avenged Sevenfold was coming. And so she actually contacted one of my friends and <laughs> asked him if he would go to the concert with me and she would get the tickets which I think is hilarious because coming like thinking from his perspective <laughs> just some your your friend's wife calls you and says hey I'm gonna buy you and your friend a ticket to go see a concert will you go that's a hard question to ask <laughs> pinch me I think I'm dreaming I mean that's the question that I would love to get <laughs> almost every weekend if if possible if my bosses let me have the Saturdays off bosses if you're listening please let me have Saturdays off um but yeah that's uh that's an awesome gift man i mean it's a good trade though if you think about it you took her to harry potter and uh and at the symphony uh and so you had your little date night and now this weekend you get to rock out with your um with your friend. And that's going to be fun. Um, just can, can I um, can I just ask that you take some video snippets just to show me after the fact. So I can see <laughs> how much fun you're having. I'll send and you then a if Snapchat, you do get thrown that? into a circle pit, if you get thrown into a circle pit, I have to see it. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a Snapchat. How about that? I don't. I'm not on Snapchat. See, but why? I got rid of Snapchat. You know why? Because Instagram is the future. Instagram is your god. No, that's wrong. No, Instagram is like it's just easier for me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just there. And I don't even I don't even do the stories on Instagram. Let uh, let alone when I used to have Snapchat. I barely did Snapchat stories. So I just kind of left that aspect of social media behind but if you want to send me um copies uh, or downloads of your snapchat stories and send them to me in facebook messenger you can do that (laughs) i'll take those i think the only time i use snapchat stories is when we were in ces yeah i think okay that wasn't the last time that i used it but that was definitely a prominent time to use it but I mean, it's so hard, right? I mean, to to be a butterfly in social media, if you are one of those people, I got to admit, you're a workaholic. I mean, you have to make sure, not only do you have to make sure that your Snapchat stories are engaging and interesting, but you also have to make sure that your Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, they're all different, Right. That that that's what makes a good social media person is that you have different interactions with all of your different audiences, because if they're the same, then I'm, not, I'm just only going to follow you on one. Why would I follow you on all if I'm, I'm going to get the same stuff? So to be able to be creative enough to say, OK, I'm, I'm here at this concert. I'm going to take a Snapchat story of the venue or whatever. And then on Instagram stories, I'm going to take a Snapchat or I'm going to take an Instagram story of talking about how much I love this band or, or how much my friend likes this band. And then on Twitter, I'm going to poke fun at the band in a 
in a sarcastic manner just to see what people say. I mean, that's a lot to think about on the fly. And that that takes a special person. And apparently there's a lot of those people out there. And maybe it has to do with um, the... uh, you know, the, the kind of characteristics of that individual or maybe just has to do with you know, how people are growing up in this world of social media. I don't know. See, this is one thing I just never understood. You remember Vine, right? Yeah, I was actually a fan of Vine when it first came out. Like right right after uh, Twitter got them, I thought that it was a very creative kind of way to take six seconds and do something, make it interesting and make the next six seconds interesting. Yeah, this is one thing I've never understood is because why why didn't the people who run ads or at least a few of them a few of the the bigger ones that run ads on YouTube you know those ads that have like you know after 5 10 seconds you can skip yes. it Yes no I, I I see what you're where you're getting at and I will say this that is 1000% Twitter's fault Twitter to this day has an issue about monetizing their platforms they don't know how to monetize Twitter. They don't know how to properly monetize Periscope. And without a shadow of a doubt, they had no idea how to monetize Vine. And maybe it's not the fact that they didn't know how. It was the deals that they were making with the advertisers. They couldn't come to a consensus. Thus, the money ran out. And that's where uh, Vine goes away. They do now have like sponsored stuff in periscope there's sponsored periscopes that you can watch there's obviously suggested and sponsored tweets that come up that you have to pay for so they're slowly but surely figuring out how to recoup the money that they've been losing oh so many years but yeah when it came to vine it was too little too late to fix that well, I'm wondering about the people who run ads on YouTube specifically, because those are the ones that are already there that have the five-second skippable ads, and you don't see anything, especially if like a movie trailer or something. You don't see anything in the five seconds except for the, this has been approved for all audiences, and then you hit skip and you move on to your video. So why not have right. these Viners and hire them and have them make the intros or well, whatever? Yeah, I mean the one of the ads that were that was actually very resourceful when it came to that five second skip button was Geico. You remember those Geico ads where they said we only have five seconds to show you this, and we're about time out. So with Geico, you can save fifteen seconds percent or less, and that was like that was all within five seconds. But the ad itself was a good minute. Like you, you could continue with the ad if you wanted to. But in those five seconds before you could hit that skip button, you heard everything. And it was clear, concise, straight to the point, and it was creative. So to that point, if Twitter took those marketing uh, uh, advertising campaigners and used them in the Twitter advertising uh, uh, platform... That could have helped them in Vine, but they didn't. They just, they, they, for whatever reason, they did not do it in time. They did not make the right deals. They couldn't uh, figure out how to, when would they put the ads exactly? Would they put it before your six second Vine? So essentially you had to wait six seconds to watch six seconds worth of ads. Um, Another uh, social media company who has, kind of faltered a little bit in trying to figure out how to monetize their platform is Snapchat. The Snapchat ads are actually pretty good because they're interactive to 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 a point and they're in between Snapchat uh, Snapchat stories between people or in a Snapchat like like a sponsored story or something to that effect when you go into the the discover page i don't know what snapchat looks like anymore but i do know they did have ads they were interactive and if you wanted to skip it you could but a lot of them were so um appealing to the young audience that people were taking snapshots and screenshots with their phone of the ads themselves because they thought it was so funny and then they would retweet them or they would re-snap them with their own uh, I guess their own modifications to an ad 
and they know it's an ad, but they don't care. They just think it's really funny. There are modifications to it, but it still gets the message out of whatever that advertising, uh, whatever the ad is. Mm -hmm. So whatever the case is, like Vine had a great idea. They just did not know how to continue. And that's kind of where Snapchat is right now between Snapchat stories and, and Instagram stories. Yes, Instagram stories is a complete ripoff of Snapchat stories. Fine. Snapchat stories continues to have sponsored faces uh, that you cannot get on Instagram stories. But Instagram stories has, to this date, way more interactive and uh, impressions on face uh, on uh, on Instagram stories over Snapchat. And that is huge. The fact that Instagram stories is so new and way more people are using it, a lot of Snapchatters are using that over Instagram, that's a big deal. And so Snapchat is going to have to try to do something to pull people back. They tried it with the Snapchat spectacles, those glasses I'm sure you've seen. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they, they yeah. look bizarre. <laughs> yeah, $100 Snapchat glasses that really only work if you are if you uh, are, are, are viewing the video through Snapchat. Otherwise, when I've seen it reshared on Facebook, it looks, well, it doesn't look like anything special. And it's cool. It's a cool idea. But again, it's like not a lot of people have $100 of, you know, uh, income to just throw to a pair of disposable glasses. So um, they they really need to try something out differently. And I know Snapchat has bought, an, uh, they've partnered with AI companies. They partner with um, AR companies, augmented reality companies, because they're basically an augmented reality company themselves with all the, uh, with all the faces, with all the masks that they have. Um, but in retrospect, you're looking at Facebook who freaking owns Oculus. Okay. Speaking of Facebook, I want to interrupt you there and bring something up. I'm going to set the stage for you, in fact. So here I am at home, and my wife calls me over and says, Hey, I want to show you a video. And so I come over, and it's a video. She's been getting into these makeup videos lately, and they do interesting things with makeup, and it's quite fun. But So I sit down, and they're doing the makeup, and then all of a sudden, the video goes black. And then pops up another video. An ad. And I look at her and I say, was that the end of the video? And she goes, no, it's a mid-video ad. A mid-video ad? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Before you move on, you know they have that on YouTube, right? Mid-video ads interrupting... Yes. Yes. You have that as as a creator on YouTube. You have an option to put ads before the video or in the middle. And there are arguments for it and against it. The argument for it would be to start the video, to get just whatever uh, content you've created to just get it started. Now, I don't know exactly if you have the ability to pinpoint when you want the video uh, rather when you want the ad. And it usually only works if your video itself is over an hour long. Because if it's not that long, then yes, it's going to annoy people. But over an hour long, uh, sometimes having the ad in the middle, if it's placed properly, you can do just like what they do on TV. And it breaks the monotony of what you're watching. And sometimes you need that break. And whatever it goes to is an ad and whether you like the ad or not it internally will wake you back up and it'll wake you up maybe in a fury like god dang it there's an ad there's why is there an ad in the middle but now your 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 mind is woken and you can continue back on to the rest of the content that you were expecting mid-roll ads aren't anything new they do they've done that they do that on Vimeo. They do that on a lot of uh, a lot of the streaming uh, or the self-streaming uh, platforms that you can that you can sign up for. And arguably, as a creator, you get paid more for those because they're not sought after. Because not many people want them, 
you as a creator, if you put them in there, you're going to get paid, let's say, two cents more than you would if you got a pre-roll ad. I just... It, oh, it my gosh. It comes down to money, man. The amount it, of it's anger all... that I had when I first saw that, I was appalled. Like, especially because it's not... That was not an hour-long video. That was maybe, maybe three to five minute video and they okay. and put the that's a little short. ad yeah yeah they put the ad right in the middle and i'm just amazed because i now correct me if i'm wrong is it still true that the creators still don't get any money from facebook for their creations that's correct right now you do not oh my gosh so <laughs> it's a possibility now, now, so here, the question is this. The question is, did Facebook put the ad there or did the creator put it there? And the way that you would know this, the way that you would know this is if the creator, the way that you would know this is if uh, if the mid-roll ad is playing, if you try to fast forward it or, or pause it or rewind, if it if it doesn't let you, then Facebook puts it there. You said the screen went black, but did the control panel to allow you to to fast forward? Did that go away, or did were you able to skip it if you wanted to? As far as I know, it was unskippable, but we didn't try anything. Okay. I was just all right. So <laughs> appalled. <laughs> then that then that might be a the Facebook putting that in there. Yeah. So as far as I know, Facebook doesn't let you monetize videos that you upload yet and there might be a setting in which that if you reach a certain level with Facebook like you know more than just a partnership level or what have you you have um you have some sort of advertising sharing capability cuz i do know that Facebook does do um they they do profit sharing uh with advertisers and content creators when you go to websites so, um, for example, uh, Google does this as well too. If you click on um, if you click on a an article within Facebook that has the amped logo, looks like a lightning bolt. It'll automatically load up super quick, and there won't be or very slim to none any kind of ads on that page. And with that agreement. Any ads that were created there by the content creator, the content creator is going to get the majority portion of that ad dollar, and Facebook will get a minuscule amount. So as as we've come to see Google go from a you know up and coming startup to combat against the likes of AltaVista, Yahoo, Ask Jeeves, and all that kind of stuff. We now know Google as an ad agency. That's exactly what Facebook is. That's exactly what all these social networks are. They're advertising companies. That's all they are. And we just were using their platform because we want interconnection and hug people in a digital sense. But they are because they're free platforms, they have to make money. And while I understand your plight and your anger and your frustration to see mid-roll ads in a three to five minute video, it's not over. I mean, I remember when um, they were saying way back in 2007 that on Verizon, the carrier that I'm on, that the Vcast videos that were free, well, they were not free, but I got them for free because I worked there. But the Vcast videos, pretty much of whole episodes of like Family Guy and The Simpsons, in 2007 or 2008, they were going to start showing ads at the beginning of those episodes. And the ads were going to be 15 to 20 seconds long, and I was livid. And then I remembered... You know, even though Verizon's a huge, like, huge conglomerate, they're, you know, they, they've got money coming out the wazoo and everything. That's just how these things work. And I'm not a fan of it necessarily, but there are a huge amount of, I would say, watchdog groups that make sure ads like this aren't intrusive, that they abide by a moral code, and 
you know, if if they go over the edge a little bit too much, you know, you can you can make a make a I, I would say a claim, but you can make a a stink what's about the it. What I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, you you could do that in a in a um, but in a formal sense. You can say, hey, this ad is intrusive. It is not what I was expecting, and this, that, and the other thing. And if Facebook or 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 Instagram or or whoever gets enough people saying this kind of ad or this advertiser itself, I don't ever want to see this. Then they can start pulling those ads. Um, it's it's even worse in other countries, man. I mean, here in the United States, we've we've got a lot of liberties that we should be grateful for, and this is this is a minor issue. Um, there's you know there, there there's some other countries out there where their ads are solely controlled by the government themselves. And whether you like it or not, you got to take it and you got to watch it. You can't skip it and you, you know, walk out of the room for 15 seconds if that's what it takes. Um, I mean, the the games on our phones, the, the freemium games. I mean, sometimes when they're like, hey, you get a free spin at the wheel, but you have to watch this ad. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch an ad. Next thing I know, the ad is a minute long. But for me, it's like for the game that I'm playing, it's worth it. So I get extra gold to, uh, just to spin that wheel. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little bit more because I've, I've seen both sides of the coin. I've felt, both, I've felt the frustration, but I've seen the benefits from it as well too. Again, this is me being that devil's advocate I mentioned to you before. I, I hope that it gets better, but it can only get better, at least here in the States. It can only get better if more people don't just talk about it, but they do something about it. So if you do see it again, there's got to be a button there. To, to say, like, this is not the kind of ad that I want. And I don't know where it would be. <laughs> um, but but Facebook, it wants, if they get a lot of those similar complaints, they they may not do something right away. They may not do something at all. But they will do something different. And they will take those suggestions and the complaints and they will do something different to better serve the platform. And little by little, your complaint in 2017 of this mid-roll ad will be nothing but a memory. (laughs) And you'll have something else to enjoy or something else to complain about. Ads are just getting more and more annoying, honestly, though. Like I had to start using an ad blocker on my computer because I'm just getting sick of it. Like I love Are the. Are you sick of the ads or? The pop-ups mainly. The pop-ups. Like I okay. love. I love the websites that you first go to them and they're like, "Hey, will you tell us what you think of our site?" It's like, but I haven't used it yet, so. <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> <laughs> or the ones that. What do you want um, from me? They pop up and they say, "Sign up for our mailing list." Or my personal favorite, "Sign up for our mailing list," or you can't use our website. Oh, yeah, that's a big no. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've seen those. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so it's funny. Um, Chrome in the near future will have its own ad blocker built in. And this is an ad blocker that has been approved by an advertising consortium. So it's not just Chrome created and they said, yeah, we're going to block everything. That's not a Google ad. That's not true. But what they are looking to block are intrusive ads exactly like what you're referring to, full-page ads, um, and a few other things. So I know you're on an ad blocker. Continue using that if that is your thing. Um, but for people who don't have an ad blocker or they're not too sure about the moral quandaries of using an ad blocker, Chrome will have their own built in. So hopefully some of those websites that have those annoying pop-ups won't have those pop-ups pop up at you. Um, if I could recommend a few things too, um, for me, it's not so much the ad. It's more of what the ad is tracking. Because even if you're not on Facebook, Facebook tracks you. Even if you're not logged into Facebook, even if you do not have a Facebook login, Facebook can track you. And how they do that is with those little like buttons on other websites. 
So there are services that you can use. Uh, Privacy Badger by the EFF is one of them. And that can secure your cookies. That can that can block your cookie transfer. It can block... Um, I don't think it blocks your IP address. But it, it does a few things just to make sure that when you're traversing the internet, it's you're going to things to to look at and people that you are expecting to see your stuff is seeing it privacy badger check that out um and that that will help you and that's completely free and again that's more for the the concerned citizen of privacy more so than just seeing ads because i don't care about ads necessarily a lot of the websites that i view are 100% ad funded. So as a content creator myself, I feel that it is my duty to return the favor and let them show me their ads. So that's but the question. The ad re- that's the question I was going to ask you. So you unblock websites that you deem worthy to receive your ad revenue basically. And that's what I was going to say. I do have an ad blocker. Um, I use, um, what do I use? I don't even know at the top of my head. This is called um, Ublock Origin. Hey, uh, same here. Hey, okay, perfect. So as you know, you have the ability to turn that off per site. So there are websites uh, like Paul Therott's website, Mary Jo Foley's website, um, Android Central's website, The Verge. Um, I mean, The Verge is backed by whatever, but a lot of these other, you know, relatively medium-sized blogs are 100% ad, uh, you know, run essentially. So I know it's just little old me, and what difference could it make? But I know for me as a content creator. When you skip that ad at the beginning of my video, I make less money than I do when you watch the whole ad. And it sucks, but it is what it is. And I know that when I see a video from like MKBHD or John Hill or Trainer Tips, I skip those ads sometimes. But then I remember that, you know, I'm not paying them for their content and they're spending four to six hours a day editing videos for me. So sometimes I'll just let the let the ad roll while I uh, drink some coffee. Speaking of trainer tips and Pokemon Go, did you see the supercut of the Pokemon Go live event? No. Oh my gosh, I'm going to send this to you right now. All right, I can't watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's uh that's sad man but you know it's interesting because um what watching what uh trainer tips had said from his point of view yes not a lot of people could connect but from his point of view there are people there still having a really good time um and it wasn't because he was just in the the press meeting room area. He was out and about talking to people, and the people that he got to, you know, during his meet and greet, people were like really, you know, they're willing to wait because they're really happy to finally meet someone that's been teaching the this game since pretty much day one. So, um, Niantic canceled their European um, event because it was going to be in a mall. But what they did instead, they said, we're not going to do this in a mall. We're just going to do this in multiple cities just throughout the city instead of in a confined area. And I think that's what Niantic should have done with Chicago. They shouldn't have just did it at a park. They should have they should have put more more uh, more uh, temporary um, cell towers up. But they should have just let people roam Chicago. Enjoy Chicago. Go to the giant bean that everyone keeps talking about. You know? There was there's many, many problems with this thing. It's just the supercut is amazingly funny. <laughs> just how many like great you know, people had the a great time getting that social interaction in, meeting a lot of friends and stuff. 
But when it comes to the actual game, which is why a lot of people were actually there, it was kind of painful. Yeah, no, I I don't doubt. I mean, Niantic did this from day one. They did not expect that many people to enjoy the game like they did. And from day one, for about a month, people's games were crashing, this and that. Um, But they fixed it. And so my my point is this, like Niantic is still a young company. They're not a gaming company. They're not. They're a tech, technology company that, that deals in um, location-based services. And their services up until now have been kind of niche. They had they had Field Trip. They had uh, Ingress, which, you know, arguably is nowhere near the impressions that Pokemon Go is at, but it still has a cult following. But they're gonna fix it. It it does suck. I'm not saying that it was all you know roses and stuff for people who who went to uh, to to the event. I, I'm sure people spent a lot of money in hotels and food and travel and and everything to get out there only not to play the game. But I hate to sound like, because I would probably be be very pissed off as well too. And I don't know how the atmosphere was itself because I wasn't there. But when you're the first people to do something, there's bound to be bugs. Well, this and, this at this point isn't really a bug problem. This is a service problem, from what I understood. But that's part of, yeah, it's a service problem. But the the bug was they just didn't have enough. They didn't plan enough for the service side of that particular area of the amount of cell activity in the game. Yeah, well, that's the, they, that's the problem. Even they though had, they had... They had a specific amount of tickets that was sold, that were sold. They, they knew exactly how many people were going to be coming. Like, they had to have been at least semi-aware of this, of we're going to have... 15,000 people here. The cell towers here can support, let's say, 8,000. We obviously need more. Like, they had to have known this and beforehand. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. The cell companies, the only ones that put up more cell towers was Sprint. So it's not solely on Niantic's shoulders at that point. Okay? Like, wow. Um, yeah. Verizon didn't want to. AT&T had no interest in doing it. Since Sprint was already a sponsor of Pokemon Go, because, you know, there are Pokestops and gyms and stuff like that, they were an easy company to go to and say, hey, can we put up more South... Yeah, sure. But considering Sprint is not, you know, they're no longer the number one carrier in the United States, they're not going to help that many people. And with the amount of international travelers coming using SIM cards like uh, from AT&T or T-Mobile as temporary SIM cards to be used in the U.S., they were SOL. But the weird thing is this. The weird thing is after the actual events, when people went out into the actual world, when the raids started, there were a lot less issues. And that, that's that's the the interesting thing because people were spread out and the cell towers could handle the load they could handle the 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 threshold so it goes back to your original point of it would have probably been better if they had let people just roam chicago to just roam to enjoy chicago the whole point of this game the whole point of niantic's apps all of them is to go to a place hey this is a pokestop but it's also a statue let me see what this statue is like. Not to be confined to a park. Not to be confined to a mall like they originally planned to do in, in, uh, in uh, what's it called, in, in Europe. They did the Lapras event tremendously well. From what I could, from what I could tell, from the vloggers that I followed and from, from the, the, what I've seen on the Twitter feeds, everybody got their Lapras. They got multiple Laprases. And it was in multiple areas of Japan. It was all up and down that coast or whatever. And people had a hell of a time, even when it was raining. Because it was an event that let you look at Japan. 
a place that maybe a lot of us who aren't from Asia or haven't been to Japan often just go check out. And that's what I believe Pokemon Go to innately be um, a a huge benefit to people that want to get up and go. You said yourself last week, your cousin, this is the, one of the most active times you've seen your cousin, you know, uh, you know, go play this game. And there's so much more that, you know, when I was in San Francisco, there was a gym that was uh, a mirror on the side of the building. I've never seen the mirror before, and it was gorgeous. And, yeah, I didn't spend time, like, finding out who the artist was, this, that, and the other thing. But even for the split, like, five seconds I was there, I was able to take in a piece of art that I was I would never have been able to take in before because that's not on any kind of Yelp map. It's not on Google Maps for me to go check out. That's, you know... So it, that's what I like about Pokemon Go as as a as a game that it does in uh, ensue interactivity with random strangers that may or may not be um, uh, familiar with you as a person, uh, but also it, uh, it lets you get up and see the world for what it really is. Just don't look down your phone when you're crossing the street. You're gonna get. <laughs> I'd like a death toll count of how many people have died from playing Pokemon Go. I think that would be an interesting number to have. Yeah, I mean, that would, you know, this has been an issue with cell phones, right? Um, in, I think it's Honolulu, uh, one of the major cities in Hawaii, they're uh, instating a ticket, a traffic ticket, a move. I think it's, I don't think it's a moving violation. But it's for pedestrians. If you are crossing the street while looking at your phone for any reason, you can get a ticket from $15 all the way up to $99. And the reason why they did this is they said that uh, this particular city in Hawaii has one of the largest numbers of traffic accidents and and, uh, deaths for just pedestrians crossing the street without looking. Wow, and I'm, I know you've seen I know you've seen videos of people, you know, getting hit by cars because they were you know crossing the street with when they had a red light and this and that and the other thing, and apparently this particular city had a lot of it enough to say we need to start ticketing people. Now the problem is is that cops beat cops don't want to just be hanging out at corners making sure people aren't aren't looking at their phones. So the enforcement of this is going to be very interesting to see if the police officers actually do this. Um and we'll see. We'll, we'll you know uh, we'll see a year from now if the death toll and the accident toll has gone down. Uh but if it does, it's going to set a precedent. And I think in my opinion, it is a really good precedent because I can't tell you how many times I have to tell my son to look up, to look, you know, just because we've got a green light doesn't mean that everyone else knows that we have a green light to walk across that street. I even find myself sometimes looking down my phone. I quickly have to, you know, uh, know, wake myself up to say, oh, you know, look straight. Just, it's not that important. You five more steps. You can look at your phone. It's not that important. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not as important as a lot of people make it out to be. This uh, this new world that we live in and that, uh, of, of staring down at our phones, that's kind of why these crazy augmented reality goggles and glasses that we have from Microsoft and we have from, um, I think Mirativ is another one. I mean, they're not necessarily the future of mobile communication, but it at least gets you... The two things you need, you need to go to a place alive, but you also are able to have a continuous interaction with whatever it is that you're doing. And 10, 20, 30 years from now, if everybody's you know looking straight and they're also looking on their Twitter feed, that's just going to be the norm. And that's kind of what Google Glass was trying to do, and it obviously failed for one reason or the other. But I, I truly believe that in the future we're gonna have this augmented reality thing always on, whether it be a contact lens, 
or somehow some sort of embedded technology or if you you know for the the, the simple um uh you know uh, kind of implementation it would be with the glasses see what i'm really hoping for is the uh augmented reality with cars I think that would be the best thing to be able to see the lines on the road if it is like pouring rain and you can't see anything or, you know, it's covered in snow. You can still know where the lines are supposed to be because that's that's the thing I hate the most, especially living in Utah, is we can get dumped on so fast. Well, by the time that we get augmented reality with cars, we're going to get to a level A uh, autonomous car driving system. That's my firm belief. Because we already have LIDAR, we have radar detections, you know, um, there's a lot of safety measures in cars that will notice that you're veering out of your lane and will automatically correct it for you so you don't have to. That's already here. Um, And so if, I I think that in the, again, about 20, 30 years, we're going to get to a point where a lot more cars, not necessarily just the high-end ones, will have augmented reality on your windshield so you can see the lines just like you said. But that would be more so of a matter of uh, a safety blanket or just a a point to say, yes, you're in the lane, don't worry about it, but the car has got you. The car is doing it. You don't have to necessarily worry where the lines are, but I'm going to show it to you anyways just so you can feel at ease. Yeah, I know a lot of my uh, wife's family doesn't think that uh, auto-driving cars are going to be a big thing anytime soon. They, I know of one particular family member that said it was look. he said it was looking at about 50 years out, and I'm like, uh, have you ever sat in a Tesla at all? ever because it's here right and there's already tests and actual full-on tests for fully autonomous big rigs i mean the thing is a lot of people are afraid that autonomous cars are going to take away jobs from taxi cabs and you know the the ride sharing services and things of that nature and my heart goes out to those people because you know that sucks but the big rigs the the truckers they drive for hours on end and they can only stop at certain places at certain times deemed by the law but if they were able to take a snooze for 15 20 minutes and be 100% or as close to 100% safe as possible because of this technology i don't see why any of them would think that the uh, self-driving cars or the self-driving trucks would be looking to take their jobs because there are still many many facets of that particular profession that requires human hand and so i i think like something like that will be coming soon quicker to enterprise and to um, industry commercial industry than it would be coming to uh, just us uh, you know regular everyday people 